Hello everyone, I'm Lynn Scanella and welcome to today's episode of Fruitful Conversations. Here's where I talk to living legends around the beautiful northern rivers of New South Wales who share their stories to teach and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. Today's guest is a gentle soul, a banana lime, although she doesn't know that. Belinda Jeffrey is an award-winning author who has worked as cook, she won't say chef, a TV food presenter on Better Homes and Gardens, a food writer, a teacher, a cafe owner and a restaurant reviewer. She lives and works here on Bundjalung Country where she haunts the farmers markets weekly and cooks up a storm planning her next projects. We talked about growing up with a mum like Cooey, her career in cooking, all her cookbooks including her latest, A Year of Sundays, accidents in the kitchen, farmers markets and fresh veggies, a venture with charity too good, being a skinny bitch and being married for 48 years. Now the Northern Rivers has many wonderful things but good internet is not one of them. Because I had COVID, we had to record this over Zoom. And although we lived 10 minutes apart and recorded it twice, and despite the superhero efforts of our tech, Darian, the sound still suffers a little. I hope you'll forgive it, because she's worth it. In true Belinda style, make yourself a nice cup of tea, relax for the next 40 minutes, and enjoy the impossibly lovely Belinda Jeffrey. Sweet or savoury? Savory. Coffee or tea? Tea. You know this one? Caramel or chocolate? Yeah, oh. me too. <laughs> uh, milk or dark chocolate? Dark. And coffee or tea? Tea. <laughs> Belinda Jeffrey, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Sorry? Uh, <laughs> I did, <laughs> I did, but you had everything there. I have the lovely Belinda Jeffrey with me today. Welcome to the program, Belinda. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Yes, it's, it's lovely to see your smiling face, always. Now, you've lived in the Northern Rivers for more than 20 years or so now. Mm-hmm. What drew you here in the first place? I think um, the beauty of the surroundings, and we, we just loved it. We'd been driving up the coast looking for where we would move to. We were ready to move from Sydney. And also the fact that it has uh, it's um, such a wonderful growing area. So obviously for someone like mm-hmm. me that cooks all mm-hmm. the time, uh, you could see that there was this incredible climate to be able to get great produce. So it was that combination near the sea, um, the you know the hinterland that is glorious around here. All of those things really tugged at us both. And had you been here before? Had you spent much time up here? I had. I'd been in my hippie teenage years, I'd been out at Nimbin at the Festival of Aquarius. <laughs> Tell me, I have to stop you there. Tell me about the, uh, it was the Age of Aquarius, wasn't it? The Festival of Aquarius, I think. What, it was, it what was, was it? Well, the Festival of Aquarius is very famous up in the Northern Rivers. It was out at Nimbin and it was a real turning point up here. Um, a whole community sprang up around Nimbin and revitalised. They started the bakery again. They started um, all sorts of shops again and cafes and built um, yoga studios, all temporary, but it was a big music festival over a period of time. A lot of the people that went there never came back, never went back to the city, and they're the people that started to buy around these areas. Land was yeah. cheap because um, it was when um, it was the common market back then. They'd top, stopped taking Australian dairy and so a lot of dairy farmers had no oh, business really? anymore and were walking off yeah. their land. 
So many of these sort of hippies, yeah. as we were not, bought up these properties. And um, it really started this huge shift here um, uh, that has lasted and influenced this area ever since as an alternative sort of community. Yeah, it sure which, has. You know, which is, is, you know, it's very well known for now. And it, it makes for an interesting um, society to live in as it well. It does. And I think for... For, for all of us, it introduces us to maybe more diversity than we might have had in a city. And I think anything that increases your tolerance of anybody and stops you being so judgy yes. um, is, is a yes. good place to be. And I think the Northern Rivers is really good for that. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I know living in a small community like Mullumbimby, um, you, in a city, you can just sort of stay in an area and not really see both, you know, the underbelly of the city, as it were, if you don't want to. Whereas in a small community, that's always there. You always see that. You see the people that are homeless or, you know, you, can't, you see people that sleep rough. Um, you get to know the people, which a lot of, as you know, a lot of us yeah. do, the people that are sleeping out that you know, might, might need something or whatever. So... And I, th- I agree with you. I think that's a good thing because you realise there's huge um, disparity sometimes. And it's really easy to sit yeah. in the cities and intellectualise, which I used to do. Yeah. And as you move into the regions, and, as, you know, I haven't lived in any other regions of Australia, but when you move mm-hmm. into a region like this, there really is that, um, that, that yeah, sort of diversity of, of people that maybe yes. you've never met, never come across before. No, no that's exactly mm. right. Mm. But it makes for a very colourful community. That's what we like, a colourful community. Um, had you left, when you left Sydney 20 years ago, was that sort of straight after television, after Better Homes and Gardens? Uh, it was a year later. I wrote my first book in uh, 2001 mm. um, because I knew when I left television I'd made the decision to leave, but I knew I would need a project to be moving into because I'd been working very hard um, in magazines and television. And um, the photographer I'd worked with over all the years, Rodney Wadeland, in the magazine, because I started working with him in the late 80s, he and I had always said one day we'll do a book together. And so that year I said to him, right, this this is the year we do this book. Um, So that was 2001. I did my second book in 2002. But then um, we moved at the end of 2002. And um, you had a beautiful book come out last year. Um, was it last year or was it this year? Year of Sundays um, last year. Yeah, yeah. So um, you write an Instagram post just once a week on a Sunday and you write so beautifully and emotionally that 42,000 of us wait to see what what Belinda's cooking, what she's bought at the markets, how she's sitting un- under the roof listening to the rain, and you just sort of want to jump through the screen and do everything that you're doing. <laughs> um, how did that – How tell me how those Instagram posts turn into the book. Um, well, look, it was a funny thing. It was I suppose it was just around when COVID hit too. I noticed that I was getting a lot more people on my Instagram mm. and I also have to manage Instagram because I'm not really good at social media. I just thought I can't to the club. do this all the time. And I don't know why I struck on a Sunday morning. It was just one of those things. I tend to wake early and I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll just do it once a week and I'll see how that feels. And I'm, then I noticed over this time that um, there were a lot more people coming 
And I, I just write about, as you said, everyday stuff, you know, what, what we're doing in the week, about cooking and food and recipes. Um, and there was such, um, I, th- I think people badly needed that through um, COVID. They needed those connections because everybody was feeling very isolated, frightened. And so one, my publisher was up here staying with me and I'd been saying to Clive for a while, you know, there's, I don't know what to do. There's something in all these Instagram posts. There's a, such an interest in them. There's a book or maybe there's something, but I don't know what it is and, I'm, and maybe I'm just being silly. And mentioned it to my publisher over breakfast one morning and um, my publishers, I could <laughs> see, you know, when she gets yeah. excited, you can always see the antennae go up and the eyes brighten and the big grin on her face. And she said to me, oh, can I take this idea? I think it's a great idea. Can I take it to Simon and Schuster? And really, they just said, let's do it. So we collected, I, we went through all my posts and I kind of collected those ones that I felt were the ones, you know, when I was talking about my mom, there was all sorts of things in that um, that we felt people would enjoy the most. And with those, we also put, so there was 52 posts that was like every Sunday of the year. And I also included, you know, a whole lot of other recipes too that were, that I related to what I've been talking about. And it's been fantastic. It's it's a lovely book, Belinda. Um, You know, I have several of your Mm -hmm. books, but this one, I love its little shape, uh, you know, the size. It's just (laughs) adorable. And I also, I love the illustrations. Um, That was, that was a mm. joy. Um, That knew who is the designer of the book. We were looking, uh, we talked about illustrations in the book and I love Daniel's work. Yeah, he does amazing work. Beautiful work. And we've been sort of talking about the cover and Daniel said, you know, Julie and I, um, he said, you know, I could just do a, I'll just do a few illustrations and see what you think, you know, I'll send them to you. And Julie and I got this illustration pretty much what is the cover at the same time and we both just yes. went, yes. <laughs> it just captured yeah. everything that was a bit quirky and a bit different about the book and Jan- Daniel just got it. And so I, I'm thrilled that he did that and for all the beautiful illustrations he did through the book as well as you know, the so is there another book in you? There is something, something in the, in the air. <laughs> All right. It's not actually a new book. It's um, well it is. It is and it's not. I've just been I've just put the manuscript in. My first two books went out of print in twenty twelve. And there's been people have asked ever since where they can get them, how they can come about. So we're doing a little version to match actually the same size as a year of Sundays of um, having, again, collected my favourite selection from those books. But I've reworked them. I mean, 20 years on, you do cook. It is funny though. You know, there are some things that I cook, like I'm still baking the same stuff that, like Nigella's almond cake, I've been baking since 2002. It's my mother's favourite. Yes. I have to take it every single time. Your banana cake, I've been baking that probably for the same sort of time. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's interesting. And this, your recipes, are, especially your baking, your cakes and, and your breads, they're they're so nostalgic. They sort of take you back to the kitchens of your mums and, 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 yes. and your grandmothers. So yes. my question to you is, why are you so thin? It's not fair that you get all the skinny jeans. I don't. 
I know, and they are, it is in the genes. My my mum, my both my aunts, same exactly the same build as I am. And I have a beautiful but very petite, tiny, blonde, blue-eyed sister who says it's not fair, you know, you've got the tall genes and you've got the skinny genes. I think she's skinny. But it's yeah, it's genetics. But I do I am a walker. I I walk and swim. I mean, I do. I've always been. Um, I like. I love being outdoors. Yeah, yeah. And I swam competitively. Oh, did you? I didn't things. know that. Yes. Um, how competitive? Yeah. Like what? Also, at what level? Um, state level wow. swimming in, in New South Wales. So I, I did that. So I used to train. You know, through up to age sixteen, I did that for about from when I was about ten, I guess, up to sixteen. But. Um, uh, I wasn't. I'm actually. I used to be. I was a sprinter, but actually, I'm a build for long distance yes. swimming. But I didn't like. So, so I think you know. I've always just spent. We grew up by the sea. I've always loved being in water. So I'm always. You're always yeah. out there, and you're a skinny bitch, right? That's just. That's just. A, <laughs> <laughs> no one likes women like you, Belinda. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they do. I can't find anyone who can say anything bad about you. So I'm wondering, is this saintly nature? Is it that you have? Is it is it nature or nurture? Um, look, I think it's. I guess you'd have to say in all of us, those characteristics are both. Um, my mum was beautiful. Mm. She was just such a lovely woman. Our friends all loved her. You know, mum always. If there was always room at the table for extra people people as we grew up you know everybody my mom's called Cooey and um you know all my friends just love Cooey and you know she meant a lot to them and she was um a, a, a quietish gentle soul like you, like you and I think yeah. um I've probably got that from her somewhat too that sort of nature in her um you know and always trying to keep the peace <laughs> which I tend to do and I probably shouldn't do it quite as much. <laughs> We're supposed to grow out of that a bit, but you know what? Sometimes you just want peace. Um, yeah, sometimes exactly. you just want peace. And as I get older, yeah. definitely. You, know, you, had, you have enough thrown at you in life that, um, yeah, yes. peace and, and gentility is lovely. How did she get the, na- yeah. the name Cooey? Ah, uh, well, okay, her real name is was Dorothy Beatrice yeah. and she didn't like <laughs> her know. name when she was a little girl and so when her they lived in a house which had a very long back yard with a sand pitch at the back and when her mom used to call out for her she wouldn't answer to her name but her mom would then do the Australian cooey you know cooey coming yeah. up for lunch or whatever and all of her friends and her sisters picked up on it and so she would always answer to cooey Funny. so Ever since I can remember, and all my mother's oldest friends that she went to school with, everyone called her Cooey. You know, I, nobody called her Dorothy or, or Beatrice. <laughs> oh, that's that's a lovely story. She Was she a good so, cook, Belinda? Did you? Uh, yes, yeah, she was. She was. She loved cooking and she was a very good home mm-hmm. cook. We, she grew some veggies. We used to go where we lived, which is the northern beaches of Sydney. Back then there weren't. Um, there were market gardens all in the back yeah. area there of Mona Vale. And I remember going with her from a really young age. There, um, there was a market garden that we used to go to regularly. It was a Dutch man and his Indonesian wife. Mm. And it was fantastic. You'd go there and you'd just walk down the rows of vegetables with them and get the fresh vegetables and the eggs. And, yeah, and vegetables that probably the rest of us didn't have access to. 
Um, probably some, some of them, them yeah. were because she was from some Asian things. But mum started to go to cooking classes when I was in my early teens. She and a good friend went to the Greta Anna oh, wow. cooking classes yeah. with me. Um, and that's when everything sort of changed for her and for us with our eating. You know, we, we, we always had lovely food, but it went to, you know, Greek or Italian or Lebanese. You know, she'd make, we'd come home and she would have made baklava. What? Because um, she was trying new things. And this was back in the 70s, you know, when we were teenagers. That's amazing. You um, know, the rest of us were eating yeah. burnt chops and grey Brussels sprouts. So well, we, good for yes, well, we, I was very lucky we avoided that. <laughs> but she just, she enjoyed her food and she loved cook. And, and so that really started me off from a very young age. I started cooking with her. I used to love standing beside her when she was cooking and that was my treat, you know, when I was three or four just to be able to have my bowl with my ingredients that I'd have to make a little version of hers. It's a lovely <laughs> image, Belinda. That's a very lovely image. Um, you know, your mum, uh, when she passed away, had dementia. Uh, my mum was an aged care nurse and worked in dementia a lot and she just said it is so hard on the families of the dementia patient, yes. um, so hard. How did you how did you cope with that, with someone you love so much? Well, I think it's really hard in life. We all have to cope. We just, you just do. You put one foot in front of the other sometimes and that's what it felt like sometimes with mum as the dementia got worse. What was lovely was she always knew my, she knew her three children, and she knew my husband. She always recognised us. I think sometimes she thought I was her sister, mm. um, but she knew she was safe with us, and that was the most important thing to me. And I think that my biggest achievement in my life, I think, was um, when mum had the dementia it was getting worse, was it took me two years to do it. There was a, a, a new nursing home being built that was dementia-specific, and there was only 42 places going to be in it and I rang them every every fortnight. They said, you just have to, you know, keep on ringing us, keep being in touch with us. And mum got the very last place when that nursing home opened. And that was just such a wonderful moment for me because it was the most fantastic place. It was built for people with dementia. They could wander safely. The staff were fantastic and we... Would go, we, we used to go down regularly and spend time there. I mean, you need a very black sense of humour, oh, and I'm sure your mother oh, has said all, that. All nurses have a black sense of humour, but yes, oh yes, you do. You know, you really did it there, and we used to laugh sometimes because we, we on the weekends we'd always take down a special afternoon tea and they had a lovely room that all of the dementia patients could, be, you know, a big sort of um, lounge looking over the trees. And we'd set up with mum. We had all her lovely cutlery that she'd recognise. And we used to set up this afternoon tea and put it out on this coffee table. But somebody would just walk by, pick up pick up the milk, don't <laughs> drink it. <laughs> and someone would join you and then slide off the oh. seat onto the floor. <laughs> and there were all of these things that went on. And you just had, you know, we laugh. just used to say, oh, I did, you know. And, I, and so you just... Do it because you love that person, yeah. and and we learnt to love a lot of the other people because that the sad part is some people don't get visitors, they don't get yeah. people find it very difficult that's true. around. Yeah, that that, that's true. A lot of people mm-hmm. do. Well, that's 
That's a yeah. that's a lovely story, actually. You you turned that into something positive. Um, what yes. about your dad? What was he like? Ah, uh, eccentric in the extreme. Um, dif- difficult, eccentric. He and not all his own making. My dad. Um, both my parents were older, but my dad had a very bad accident when I was ten, and he um, like a cliff. I was actually swimming in a carnival and. A cliff collapsed at the swimming pool where we oh were um, at Bilgola Beach. And Dad, both Dad and my mum were caught under it. Mum was okay, but Dad um, had massive brain injury. And so he was in hospital for a long time. And initially they said that he probably wouldn't be able to speak or, you know, might be a vegetable. And... Um, he did eventually after a few years, I mean, he did come out and he came home, but he was a very different person. That's the thing. I've, I've had other friends with brain injuries since and the, and the terrible thing about them is that they can change that person mm. greatly. Oh. My dad being eccentric but, you know, quite gregarious and everything to being um, a very on a very short fuse all the time. Makes it very hard um, for everybody. So Terrible. And I, when I turned 50, because my mum was 50 when the accident happened, I, I remember thinking, gosh, mum was this age when her whole life and our lives all turned upside down, you know, because the business went and all of those things. And I often have thought back on that time. And, you know, she stepped up and, uh, you know, and did what she could. Um, but, yes, but, Dad, you know, there's lots of stories about my father. <laughs> but um, he he died about um, eight years before mum. Yeah, so it was mum that he went on. Sorry, he taught himself to speak again. It is quite remarkable. Mm. Isn't it funny? You know, mm. everyone. It's what I love about doing this podcast. You meet really interesting people, but everyone has stories and everyone has hardships oh, that yeah. help shape who yes. they are. And. You know, yes. when you talk to your friends, you'd be the same, Belinda. People might be ill or they're struggling with their children or their parents or or something, and it really is just a part of life and it becomes part of the fabric yeah. of who you are, that hardship. That's right. Um, unfortunately, yes, but that's just life. It's what, it does. It is, Lynn, and I think I see that more and more now. It's given me great awareness. What that has given me a great awareness of is how life can change so quickly. I mean, seeing that accident at at a young age and seeing the change in our life, I've always sort of been very aware of that, that just one small thing can change everything for people. And I see that again and again in my life as I look around. Would, Would you say then you have a, it seems that you do, a pretty positive attitude to life? Like what gets yes. you up in the morning? Yes. Hello, Clive. Hello. There's the, he's a dishwasher. He's the EA. He's the roadie. He's the husband. That's me. And gardening star. And gardening star. <laughs> Belinda, <laughs> you've been married for 48 years. Why don't you tell me about yes. the lovely Clive? How did you meet? Uh, we met. Um, I, was, I was actually nine, I was 19 when oh, we wow. met and 20 when we got married. Um, not something either of us had ever imagined we would do. He was um, he came up from the UK for, to be best man at a wedding. I was actually overseas at the time. I was in Sabah staying with friends. And when I came back, uh, a friend called around 
and Clive walked in the door with him. <laughs> and I think the rest is oh, history, really. Your heart went boom. <laughs> I did, literally. And it still does, oh. Lynn. I feel so fortunate. Oh. I've been so fortunate to have. He's been a real rock in my family through both my father being difficult and my mum, you know, with her dementia, Just he's just been such a rock in everybody's lives and I feel very, very fortunate. He's a very kind man, my husband. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him in action. I've been lucky enough to do one of your cooking classes and, um, Mm. like, he's just, yeah, he's he's a demon. He just gets everything done and nothing is is too hard. And he'll... Incredibly supportive mm. of me and all I've done through the years. You are fortunate, um, but but going back to my other thing, uh, every day you it seems like you have this positive attitude towards everything. I'm fortunate to have Clive. I was fortunate to have my mother. I was fortunate to have these hard experiences. Yeah. What lights you up when in every morning when you get up? What are you saying to yourself? Ah, oh, what that lights me up. I think the thing that I love, every morning I go for a walk, early in the morning out in nature. I I walk down to the creek down the bottom. I just, to wake and see a garden, to hear birds, to, you know, my natural surroundings. I just love it. I I think it inspires me what drives, you know, just makes, fulfills something in me, a need for for peace, for contemplation, I, all of those things I find, you know, I can just walk along and I just look at spider webs in the sun mm-hmm. early in the morning or whatever, and I find that incredibly nourishing for my spirit because I'm quite a, a, I'm a person with a very busy yes. head and so I need that time to, um, that downtime, and I've, I've learned I have to do that. If I don't do it, it's, you know, it's not a good so that's really good advice, boys and girls, to uh, to take <laughs> some space in nature because, you know, yeah. we all live these frantic sort of ridiculous lives yes. at the moment. The last couple of years have thrown a lot of things at us yes. that we, we haven't had before. So I think it's – I agree with you. I just think it's critical to get yourself some quiet space um, yes. outside. Um, now, Belinda, you've worked in a lot of kitchens um, and kitchens are uh, well known for their accidents. Have you got any – that stand out? Any bad accidents that you've had? Um, yes, I've, I've had a couple. I've still bear the, the scars on one thumb to a very bad knife Ew. cut that uh, somebody had done the cardinal sin and put a knife in a sink of water, um, which you just don't do. Because, and I'd put my hand in and, and i cut through my thumb. Um, but the worst one was probably um, I, uh, I worked in a, a restaurant that had a very old baker's ovens, and so you had to lift. There was a double-decker oven and you had to lift up onto the top shelf of the top oven. So you lifted up quite high to sort of chest height. And I was cooking creme caramel, so I had a big pan full of little creme caramels and they were ready. And I rested them just on the edge of the oven door and it gave way and the whole, all the boiling boiling water spilled down the front of of me, unfortunately, I did have a chef. That's why we wear chef's jackets. I did have a jacket on, which and they're you know they're double lined and all of those things for safety. But I still got very bad burns. Wow! From that, burns are my usual thing, and I, and steam burns. I've had a really bad steam burn um, when I was cooking a large pot of polenta for about a hundred people, 
and I lifted it off a pan of boiling water and foolishly, because it was a busy kitchen, I was in a hurry and instead of lifting the bowl so that the steam went away from me, I just lifted it straight up and the steam whooshed up my arm. (laughs) So you do, look, every kitchen, everybody that works in the kitchen, has stories and some of them are far more horrendous than that. Yeah, that sounds bad enough to me. Where, what was your first restaurant job? Um, first rest, Well, the first job in food was at a place called John Cooper's Five Ways in Paddington, yes. which is a first, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. first gourmet deli in Sydney way back then, and I, uh, and I worked with John, who's still a friend to this day. Um, and that was a very exciting sort of time because all of those food things were just starting to happen then. The Royal Hotel, which I think you probably knew was opposite yes. and that fireplace area. And so there was just, it was this real changeover. We didn't was that, have the, was that the, the 90s, Belinda? Was that the 80s or? That was, oh, it was um, back in the 70s. End of the 70s, 70s. maybe. End of the 70s. And uh, up till then, there was just a couple of delicatessens in Sydney. There was Cyril's in Haymarket. There was a couple of um, Eastern European ones out towards in the eastern mm-hmm. suburbs. And that was about it in terms of, you know, gold, like beautiful delis. And then all of a sudden John, I met, you know, John had come from Brisbane and he started this and there was a catering business and I ended up running that side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, a, it was a fantastic experience. And then I went to restaurants after that. But you don't call yourself a chef? No, I'm definitely not a chef. I'm a cook. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of wonderful chefs, um, but I think of myself always as a cook. It's a a different background, different training, you know, different. Although I can do it, I always feel I'm a bit of a fake when I pretend to be a chef. I think you've probably earned your stripes (laughs) on that. But um, all right, we'll. We'll call. We'll call you. We'll call you. A, I like being a cook. Yeah, you like being a cook. So yeah. books. Um, you're not now. You're not doing your cooking classes anymore um, because all good things must come to an end. But will you be teaching um, in other parts of Australia using yeah. other kitchens? Yeah, I'm, I, I shall be. I'm, I'm. It's sort of all a bit on hold at the moment because we've got a few things happening. Um, where we are, but I hope to be back at the Agrarian Kitchen in Tasmania later this year. Uh, I know I'm teaching in Victoria at the lovely series Homestead. Um, I think it's March next year, and I'll start to slot some things in when um, I get a bit further down the track. And I teach down at Yamba at um, at kitchen to table down there, which is lovely little tiny. It's a hands-on little, little tiny cooking school, but I love teaching there. So you've you've been everything in 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 the food situation. You've sort of you've been in restaurants. You've been in catering. You've been uh, you've had a cafe. You're a writer. Uh, you've been a television presenter. What's your favourite thing to do out of all of that? Writing, writing is my favourite. Would you would you ever write a novel? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think I, – I just look in awe at people that write novels. A dear friend of mine is a novelist and I don't know. I, I can write about things I know, Lynn, I, you know, the, the experiences that happen to me. But when uh, – to actually create a story, I just find extraordinary. I've, I've just finished reading a, a wonderful book, Sarah Winman's Still Life. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, oh, Did you and like I just that? look at that book you I see, that, that's quite, it's a bit polarising. 
um, and I don't want to talk too much I, about I, it because people might like to read it. I I enjoyed yeah. it, um, and I think yeah. she she um, she achieved what she wanted to do. And she said she wrote it in COVID. It was about giving people joy and fantasy. Joy. Yes, and you can mm. see that, and and I love that about that book. But it, whether you like it or not, how does someone create a story like that? Like I just think that's you create recipes. <laughs> Yes, that's got. I suppose it's got that practical. You can touch and feel it. To it. Yeah. Yes, I mean I love writing the things around food. I love that. I love writing about those things because that's what I, I love about food and the things it creates. But yes, I think it's a different form. Not of a novelist writing. at the at the moment. At the moment. <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Are you, you're working on um, a venture with social enterprise too good. Tell me about mm. that. Okay, well, it's just started. Um, I, I've done a couple of things with Too Good um, in with their cookbooks. Um, they have Too Good started in um, Sydney. It was started by two men who uh, did it to um, cook for homeless people, people who were living rough in the Surrey Hills area, and it has grown and grown and grown since that time. And it now tends to. Its focus is on women who have left um, violent relationships and sometimes women and children and who are living in sheltered areas. It's not only to give them beautiful, nutritious food, and the food is beautiful. You know, it really, they they cook with love and it's really wonderful food they send, they take to these people. But it's also about training women to give them um, the ability to earn to get right. a job because many have left relationships where that that hasn't been possible for them and so they have a whole training program around teaching women in the hospitality industry and I've been involved they've done cookbooks which they they sell and those funds help to raise money for too good because they not only have food that they deliver there's all these different care packs and wonderful things that you can organised to have a sent to women that are in yes. need in this situation and it's just getting worse and worse in this yeah. country as we, as we know. Um, Too Good have just recently opened a cafe in East oh, Sydney great. and um, they've got a couple of chefs come on board to help them with their menus and at the moment I'm the chef for August and so what we did was come up with recipes that will teach um, the women that work their new cooking skills, not hard, just lovely, simple, delicious food. And then anybody can go to the general public, can go in and, you know, buy their lunch there. They do catering. So it's just a really terrific um, program that they have developed over the years. And it's just so inspiring to Meet the women that have, do work in there, uh, the women that have trained through Too Good that have now gone on to other things. Nice. It's, it's really fantastic to see how people can lift themselves out of pretty dire circumstances. That lovely, gentle, calm demeanour is something I've worked towards all my life, not very successfully. But with, <laughs> with you, is there anything that gets you peeved? Like what, what, what do you, how do you act when you're mad? Um, it, it takes a lot to make me mad, um, only because I try and work through what, um, you know, what's happening, try to process that and try not to react 
you know, sort of really quickly to something. Um, and I think I had to learn that because of dad, because his temper was very short. So it was, as I said, keeping the peace. So I think Clive thinks I try and keep the peace too much sometimes. Um, if injustice makes me angry or if I see, you know, if somebody is being unkind or cruel to a person or an animal, I'll, I you can't can step stand in. that. And I can step in. And I, and I think that surprises people that know me because I, they sort of all think I'm very quiet and gentle, um, but I actually will. I don't like bullying and I'll, I'll hap, not happily, but I will go toe-to-toe with if I see somebody bullying someone or, a, you know, an animal or something mm. like that. I just cannot abide that sort mm. of thing. Well, it's, so in, it's interesting. That will make yeah, me okay, angry. the things that make us angry. They're yeah. worthwhile things to get angry about. Now, just to finish up, Belinda, what's the most interesting thing that you have ever eaten? Uh, interesting thing I've ever eaten. Oh, gosh, um, that's putting me on. It is a bit. Uh, interesting. Oh, I know. I went to an extraordinary lunch that Gay Bilson cooked many years ago for the Symposium of Gastronomy in Canberra, a very famous lunch. And in that lunch there, it was all parts of an animal that you would not normally eat. Now, I didn't go there with some of them. I found it very, I think a lot of people found it very challenging. But there was, um, you know, there were blood sausages. There were, um, there was crisp, the fish skin, which we've got used to now, but all crisp and in curls. It was just, um, there was something to do with the eye. I I can't think what it was. And I (laughs) I can't. Did you eat an eyeball, a sheep's eyeball? I was sitting opposite a very well-known wine writer whose name I won't mention. Unfortunately, he was a great eater and he'd say to me, oh, what, are you going to eat that? You just pick up my plate. <laughs> so you didn't – see, this is the difference between chefs and cooks, I think, that chefs yeah. chefs really just do eat everything and are prepared to do everything. Um, yes, and I can't come at that. I just can't do it. <laughs> and it's funny, isn't it, because there is a psychological component to it the eating experience, oh, yeah. you know, the kid that was at boarding school that had um, rice pudding that he never liked and can never come at it again or you're given this beautiful sausage on a plate but it just looks like dog poo and you can't get past it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes, I think we'll have things like that that just bring back that memory. Yeah, and, but by the same token, we also have lovely things like going to our beautiful farmer's markets, getting to know the farmers, having a relationship with them, understanding where the food comes from, and already you have a narrative to you already think that food is more delicious than anything else that you can buy in a supermarket. Yeah. So, Yes, and it is. <laughs> and it is indeed. Now, is there any food that – any food or style of food that you think should be banished from the planet? Get rid of it. Has no need. Yeah. I'll I'll preface this by saying I'm a simple food person, so I I like – I don't do complicated food. And I think when I see food that's been so worked, overworked, what I think of overworked, it might be very clever and it looks amazing, but at the end of the day, to me, that's not real food and I'm a real food person. So when you see some of these extraordinary creations, you know, where um, I suppose it's using every part of an animal, you know, they, the, a fish where every single piece is used and they make garum out of the bones and then this whole dish is laid around that. I understand where that comes from and that drive and that creativity. 
But to me, I suppose I'm about what we cook and what we eat in our everyday life. And I just look at that food and think, I just, why not just eat a whole food, a fish that's beautiful, you know, and cook it simply? Why go through that whole process? Um, so it's very complicated process, those cooking. I suppose it was like the Nouvelle cuisine back in the 90s, and there's a version of that now that I find um, a bit challenging. Did you ever like it in the 90s? Um, because I did, but I don't now. Like I've really gone away. Don't don't ever put foam on my plate. In any, in any, no, it's impossible to say anything nice things thinking. about Belinda. I, I, I know um, I sounded like you know, I'm sucking up a bit, be but creative and push it's really genuine and I am a bit of a fan girl. It just doesn't feel I want to be like her when I grow up. And I you know? think that, that just the Quiet. beauty of, I suppose I like yes. in a way. Okay, things that resonated with me. I enjoyed Clive's guest appearance, her rock, her kind and loving husband. And not many of us see our 48 years together and still share such a special bond. And we all know it's not smooth sailing. And water press and Listening to her made me reflect on the qualities of my own that's very it, good you know, I might make a lemon tart She's not the only person out the there with a very I busy head either. Love. Yes, I you know who you are. Like, her advice to no, find part time in nature is gold. And the terrible story of her dad is this lovely note and ensuing challenges for so many years. Is a Simple stark reminder food. that life Don't can be intimidated in by the food. Um, you can buy Belinda's books um, on her website, belindajeffrey.com.au, or if I'm at your baking local this independent bookseller. What should I be baking? Uh, look out for year of Sundays it? and watch August? out for info on the new so cookbook. So citrus is in season. Follow her on Instagram because yeah, unlike her, she has a following. And you okay, love I've been making, for me at the moment, it'll be a lemon syrup. Check out details for social enterprise. Thank you so much, Belinda. You are a delight. Thank you again. show notes. And if you like information on the work that I do and discover what being a banana lie really means, head over to my website at linscanella.com.au and start off by taking the short taster quiz. Shoot me an email or connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. This podcast was recorded and produced by me on Bundjalung Country and edited by Darian Warner on Wadjuk Country. Thanks for listening, you gorgeous people. Be kind to each other. And remember, respect, connect and thrive. I'm Lynn Scanella. And this has been Fruitful Conversations.